Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's uh, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Eye on College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's Sub. Jersey Mike's a sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button. Like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, Please, please, please knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. What a wild weekend of college basketball we just experienced. It was one buzzer beater after another, after another, after another. I'll try to run you through just ones off the top of my head. Arizona State's Desmond Cambridge buried a buzzer beater from 60 feet away. Got Arizona State past Arizona, 89-88. Florida State's Matthew Cleveland. Buzzer beater to lift Florida State past Miami, 85-84. San Diego State's Lamont Butler. Buzzer beater, lift San Diego State past New Mexico, 73-71. Three game-winning jumpers in contest featuring nationally ranked schools. Beyond that, Iowa's Peyton Sanford buried a buzzer beater at the end of regulation to force overtime in what was an eventual 112-106 OT win over Michigan State. And elsewhere in the Big Ten, Michigan's Hunter Dickinson. Buzzer beater at the end of regulation to force OT in an eventual 87-79 OT win for the Wolverines over Wisconsin. That's five end-of-regulation buzzer beaters that led to victories in high-profile slash important games. Tom Izzo did not foul up three. Greg Gard did not foul up three. Dead leg. Have you caught your breath? We had some nice finishes this weekend. I, I am trying to catch my breath. It is. Come on now. This is what we're here for. And I, I'm really trying to catch my breath. I, I, I just got screwed up on the time. I knew we were... For some reason in my head, we were starting at 625, it's 6.30 is Central, as opposed to Eastern. So I was literally outside, like, playing catch with my two little guys. And I was like, dude, UCLA, Colorado is almost over. And I think we were supposed to go right after that. What? And I was like, oh, no, I got my Eastern Central time zone. But I'm here. Well, you're here. Hey. And we're good to go. Last year on this weekend, remember, GP? Like, seven of the top ten teams got beat. Remember that? Oh, that I remember. Was... I remember it like it was yesterday. We know that's not true. But yet again, huge, huge, huge 
March vibes. I want to touch on everything that you mentioned there here in this opening segment. There's there is so much to get to. And I think like line 17, item 17 is is Illinois losing. We will get there before the show is done. We will get there. But let's all right, we got to pull up. No, oh, I'm I don't, sorry. I don't mean to be. If you're watching on YouTube, I don't mean to be smiling at that. Let me get my let me get my okay. frowny face on. Nada, what is for those that are listening after the fact? You can debate this in your own head since you're not voting in real time on YouTube. Nada, what is the poll in the chat? And I see the chat's already on fire to start the show. I always love to see that. What is our poll question to start the show here? Our poll question is one that you came up with. That was a really, really good one, Norlander. It was, what is the bigger shock? Florida State coming back from 25 at Miami or 11 points in 55 seconds at home from Iowa? GP? Bigger shock for you is? Okay. There are wild comebacks over long periods of time all the time. Like Florida down State 17, come back and win. Down 20, came back and won. Like Kansas is down 15 at the half every other game, comes back and wins all of them, sometimes by 30 points. So while recognizing you accurately uh, said it. Uh, Florida State is terrible. That is shocking that Miami could blow a 25-point lead to Florida State. But I think, honestly, it's a little crazier when you think about the fact that Michigan State was up 13 with 90 seconds left, up 10 with 40 seconds left, and lost that game. You see people erase 20 and 25-point deficits sometimes. You almost never see down. 10 with 40 seconds to go. I mean, the, the 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 big comeback in a national title game we all remember, 2008 Kansas-Memphis. Kansas was down nine with little less than two minutes to go. This was 10 with 40. It was outrageous. Ridiculous. And we're going to start there. I, I We do have some good audio to enjoy a couple of amazing, amazing calls that we are going to get to. But we're going to start with the game that ironically did not have the buzzer beater. Because Peyton Sanford hit, I think, with two and change, three to go overall. But it starts with, so I, I get to the HQ studio and I'm watching all. So the way this works, I think, at broadcast as well is the offices for HQ are on a different floor from the actual studio. So you kind of bounce back and forth. And so I was up in the offices and it was 91, 81 or whatever the hell it was. And I was like, I literally said out loud to the people like cutting the highlights and, and the producers never. I was like, all right, there's nothing in the balance. here. I'm going to go down to the studio and, and watch the rest of this and get ready for my head. Cause they're just, I, I said, there's nothing in the balance. So I go down, log in my computer, get it all booted up. They got the games on the big screen. Awesome experience. The next thing I know, Iowa is within three. And then like seven seconds later, Peyton Sanford hits the shot to send it to overtime. Unreal. Malik Hall. Hit a pair of foul shots with 94 seconds to go. I'm going to run through this for you. Gave Michigan State a 91-78 lead. Also, by the way, shouts to Caitlin Clark. That building had something special going on this entire weekend. Going to absolutely give love to Caitlin Clark. We are not dialed into the women's hoops game on this pod, obviously. Speak, but Speak for yourself. Okay. Okay. If, if you, you think wanna, I'm not, yeah. if you, if I could Holy share God. my screen right now, you would see, you would see Caitlin Clark notes on my screen. Speak for yourself. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Apparently, Caitlin Clark, by hitting the shot, is conceivably now the front runner for National Player of the Year in women's college basketball. Carver Hawkeye, just name. It, it, you know what? I think we just did it. It should be uh, should it be uh, Clark Sanford Arena. I think that's what it is. Carver Hawkeye is no more. This is Clark Long Sanford Arena. 
long as you don't name it after that offensive coordinator they got over That's there in Iowa. That guy, might is, have some challenges for that, though. that guy is something else. Okay, so as GP alluded to, only the f- this is super rare. What Iowa, the Iowa men's team did on Saturday, only the fourth time ever that a team has been down by 11 or more with less than a minute to go and went on to win the game. It's technically the second greatest comeback with less than a minute to go in college hoops history. Layup trivia time. The winner of that is... Is that the North Carolina, um, or no, the Duke, either Duke, Maryland? Is that a game? Did Duke ever play Maryland in basketball? That's not that game. You want one more guess? <laughs> Can you confirm Duke and Maryland have played basketball against each other before? I can't. Okay. That's the game that popped into my head. I think that was nine with like a minute five to go or, so, or 10 with like a minute five to go. It wasn't 11 or more with under a minute. Happened in the NCAA tournament. Oh, is that... Um... Everybody's saying Northern Iowa in the comments. I'm going to go with Correct. Northern I- I'm going to go with you and I. Okay, well. You lose. It's Texas A&M that did it. Down 12 with was, 33 trying seconds to, to go. I was trying to discuss it from the other angle. To, to the, to Texas A&M, Northern Iowa, 2016 NCAA tournament. That is the uh, probably destined to be the all-time winner of this whole thing. Because... <laughs> An and outrageous, outrageous, outrageous game. Texas A&M overcame it, beat UNI. It went to double OT. This one only went to one. All right. I was down 11 with 55 seconds to go. It scored 16 points to get it to OT. It made five threes in the final 40 seconds to force the bonus session. Michigan State had five players with 15 or more points, shot 54% from inside the three-point arc. 73% from three-point range, 86% from the line, and it's not an 86% on 13 attempts. It was 31 of 36 from the foul line. MSU averaged 1.31 points per possession and lost this game. Hit 100 points against a Big Ten opponent for the first time since 2008. Iowa is the same team that lost by nine at home to Eastern Illinois this season. And it all started with one of the weirdest, rather inappropriate, certainly you would not want to see this again, but if I told you, if I told you on the Friday pod, listen, I now have the ability to see the future. That was the case. I wouldn't be here on the Sunday pod, okay? If that was the thing, I'm out of here for good. Also, you also you wouldn't be trailing in the final four and one. You wouldn't <laughs> be facing true. what is it? That's you true. Be, you wouldn't Hang be facing what is until Friday. You wouldn't be facing what is what what some have called an insurmountable deficit for you. Summer one. Anyway, it's just me. Okay. I'm the only one. If I said, listen, there's going to be a game this weekend, and a coach is going to be down by like ten minute minute and a half to go, and he's going to stare at a referee awkwardly and step to him like he's in a John Wayne Western movie from the 1950s. What coach would that be? The overwhelming choice would be Fran McCaffrey. And I have to shout out. Otherwise known as Kermit Roosevelt Jr. I mean, I am telling you. Do you see it at least? Do you see how it's all connected? No, I do not actually, especially after this. I don't know if Kermit's ever stepping to an official like this, but my goodness. Now, it, 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 like, I think you tweeted what a weirdo or something, and that's accurate. But at the same time, I must bow in awe over 
over McCaffrey's Jedi-like influence over this game, this weekend, the rest of the season. I don't know what the hell's happening, but what I do know is Iowa didn't have a chance. He got a T. He stood down this official, and I'm shouting out Kevin Brown on the play-by-play call. We don't have this audio, but they, he was talking with Robbie Hummel about something else, and then there was a beat of silence, and Kevin just perfectly. I was dying laughing at this call. I was losing it, dude. He's like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, so Fran is just staring at this guy, and then Fran, and so it's just a stare down, right? But then Fran's like, all right, I'm going to come toward you. Oh. And he takes like two or three steps toward him. And then the ref, and this is the part that cracked me up. Then the ref takes two or three steps. And it's like, what are they about to do? <laughs> what do they think they're about to do? What a oh. weird thing. Like, listen, Fran McCaffrey's a good basketball coach. In my experiences with him, they've all been pleasant. That that is such weird behavior. <laughs> like that is so like I say I say this as nicely as I can say it. That is weird, man. You know what it is though? You're being too I, weird. It, you know what it looked like though? Some um one of the HQ anchors on the desk, uh, Russ Thaler, said he's like, that had like MLB umpire vibes. This behavior is normalized in baseball. <laughs> but in college hoops, it still looks it looks pretty damn weird. I agree. I agree. Dude, what are you doing? We always talk about these coaches. I mean, it's all mostly silly, or at least sometimes silly. But we're like these leaders of young, they're leaders of young men. And then you got to watch one of the young men come over and be like, Coach, come on, stop staring at the referee like a weirdo. I've never done that in my life. Have you ever done anything remotely like that? Like kind of no. step in someone's stand? I just, no. I've never when done that. when no. would I do that? When would you do that? I, I just, no, I no. Like if I if I if I'm upset with you, I will either ignore it, let it go, or I'll say something. But just glaring at you for ten seconds from five feet away? No, that's not normal. That's not a, that's not normal person behavior. That's weird. <laughs> There's if you're listening to the pod, there's almost no chance you missed that over the weekend. But if you if you did just search it out it, and, and listen to the play by play commentary with all of that. OK, so that being said, that was the that was the most ridiculous ending given the, the if only the fourth time ever. Every other one we got to hit on off the top here ended in a buzzer beater. So we're going to give you we're going to well, give no, you the some other, the other, Well, what, what well, didn't technically Michigan, Wisconsin did not end with a buzzer okay, beater. Enough, it was extended enough. by a buzzer beater. That is correct. That is correct. We are going to go first out to the desert. This is Tim Healy of the Sun Devil Sports Network on the call. I think this is about 30 seconds long, but it is so worth it. Nada, go ahead. So the final 2.9 seconds inbounded to Des Cambridge. Launches from backcourt. Oh! He made it! He made it! Oh! He made it! Cambridge knocks down a three from backcourt, and the Sun Devils have won it! The Sun Devils have won it on a desperation three-pointer from Des Cambridge! Incredible! Let's go! Nothing but net from about 60 feet away for Des Cambridge! Oh my goodness! call if that happens and uh, oh i forgot i oh oh i had it ready for the th- i'm a sun devil look at me i'm a sun devil i wanted to play it over the call i'm a sun devil look at me i'm a sun devil <laughs> it seemed to be getting more sensual just 
So we're clear on that. Okay. Let's take these game by game. Let's just hit on this one. First of all, if that shot gets made in the NCAA tournament. It's the greatest tournament shot of all time. Okay. That was pure as hell. Nothing but net. It's the first. How about this for a stunner? First time Arizona State as an unranked team ever beat a ranked Arizona team. Had never happened until Saturday. Arizona State now has six Pac-12 road wins. Shouts to Doug Tamaro, ASU, for this information. It's the first time. I got a fat lever reference dropping right now. The last time ASU won six Pac-12 road games was 1981 with Fat Lever and Byron Scott. Yeah, I remember that. Shouts. People, people, All right. people always acted. People always remember that as Byron Scott's team, and it's like Fat Lever is not getting enough credit. It's one of the things I've been trying to talk about for years. I hear you. Uh, nine and three in two possession games this season for Arizona State. Quite clearly, we'll get to bubble, you know, the good and the bad of the bubble of the weekend. But Arizona State helped itself better than probably any team given Arizona's standing quad one win. Just huge. And, and the they're fact now, that they're, they're now nine and eight in the first uh, 10, uh, first two quadrants. They got a quadrant four loss way a million years ago, too. But like, that's that's pretty solid. They are they are within they have a chance at an at large bid. And um you know, because the next two are UCLA and USC, two more quadrant one opportunities. I mean, like, listen, at least one of those it should be really tough, but uh, they got a shot. Bobby Hurley's got a shot at it. Like Most impressive thing is that Arizona State induced Arizona into a six plus minute drought in the second half in Tucson, in Tucson. Extremely impressive. Arizona State has won 10 games away from its home venue this season. It's got a healthy shot. It, re- it really, really does. That was a big time game. Any other lingering thoughts on that one before we get to the next one? Nope. All my, all my thoughts have uh, stopped lingering. Nada, let's go down to Coral Gables because Florida State, which again is terrible, overcame a 25-point second half deficit and in a thrilling ending with no timeouts called, the call here, I think this is from, I want to get the call. I want to get the credit right beforehand. This is Jeff Coolhane of the Seminole Sports Network on Learfield. Let's go. 8.1 the to go. defensive intensity is at a whole other level. Poplar to inbound. Miller comes free. He's wide open for a three. Makes it. 4.9 to go. Cleveland, he'll launch it at the horn for the win. Oh, my gosh. It's good. Cleveland buries it at the horn for the win. It's good. Fire up the war chant and plant the spear. Knowles win. Knowles win. Cleveland does it again. It's all over. Seminoles, with that win, did you check? Do you want to try and get it within 20 spots at Ken Palm, or do you know it? I don't know anything. Try and guess. Where is Florida State ranked in Ken Palm after winning this game? 97. 204. God, what are they doing way down there? What are they? They think they're Lula or something? I thought the play-by-play guy was going to give us a Cleveland! This is for you! Little LeBron James. Because, like, power conference teams don't usually get that low. That is why there is a real case that FSU doing it on the road against conceivably who the hell knows after this weekend we see you pit and we will get there doing this at Miami down 25 what the hell do you have anything to play for Miami having first of all had not lost at home this season 
was in the pole position to get the one seed in the ACC, had won seven straight games. Florida State has a lost season. Cleveland. And that, that frenzied finish. Miami takes the lead. Then FSU gets it. The game actually has consequence for Miami seeding, obviously. Devastating loss. <laughs> that's a, that's a, if Arizona State maybe got the best win of the weekend, that's maybe like, Miami had the worst loss. That's like that, a quad that, seven loss. It's Q7. Rarely discussed. We're going to put that on quad, in quad seven. That was, that's a tough one. That's a really, 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 really tough one for Jim Laranagan and his his hurricane. So if you if you think that the uh, that the the shock value is greater on that one, hey, I'm not going to fight with you. I hear you on that the whole way. Nada. Before I don't want to you. Do you have? I sent you the other stuff. You got you've got the other two ready to go. You got you got what happened in the pit on Saturday. You mean to tell me you have that? Let's see it right now. Okay, maybe not. Try to get the ball to Brandon if you can. Go to the rim. Now you're up top. Four to go, go to Butler. Go to the rim. Two to go. Butler has to put it up for the win. Oh! Butler sinks it at the buzzer. Oh and he is mobbed by his team. I mean, I was watching this live. Okay. Um, they let him just walk right into it. I mean, what were they doing? He just walked right into a buzzer-beating three. This is that, that was Lamont Butler. First of all, flawless production for us. Hey, we're trying some stuff new as we head into March here. So Lamont Butler, after the game, said, quote, I got the ball. Nate set a crack screen at half court. I was supposed to go downhill and get to the rim, but it was kind of clogged up. I lost it a little bit. I looked up and saw two seconds on the clock, and I knew I had to shoot it, and it went in. He looked like a bad mofo when that thing went in, man. And that got Arizona State to 23-5. and 9-5 uh, and quad one, quad two, no bad losses. New Mexico lost 7 of 9 after a 14-0 start. It's going to Ol- Oliver Purnell this thing, GP. It's yes. going to do it. Not in the tournament field, and its bubble case right now is especially, especially weak. Congrats to San Diego State. It's going to be the third time in four years it will claim a regular season Mountain West title. That one happened late. That one was for the real ones. If you started this pod and were unaware of it, yes, yet another incredible, incredible ending. Thoughts on Tex over Lobos? Um, my Aztecs are terrific. You know, Ranked I, where? In your poll. It's not a poll. Okay. I hate it when people call it a poll. <laughs> that, fair enough. You know what? It is. It is. It's a poll of one. So fair enough. I didn't want to say rank where in your rankings, even though that would have been more accurate. I got them 12th, you know, so uh, they're going to win the Mountain West. And, you know, like if you start, I don't, you, 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 I know you know how to sort data. I know how, you know how to sort the data over at yeah, Blackboard.com. You start sorting data for like the last month, past six weeks. San Diego State's one of the best teams in the country. I like them. I think they're winning multiple games in the NCAA tournament. So you got the Mountain West getting a team to the Sweet 16 after not getting to win a, a year. Yeah. Ago. What, what's the thing I promised the other day? I would take Texas A&M, A&M in their first round game. I'm no gonna matter make another the opponent. Yep. Okay, I'm going to take. I'm going to brought up. Uh, what if they faced NC State? You're in a real pickle there. But you got no choice. Yeah. Okay. It's A&M. I'm making two promises. Bracket comes out. I'm taking A&M in their first round game, no matter what. And I'm taking San Diego State to the Sweet 16, no matter what. No matter what. Or what? What do I care? <laughs> that's fine yeah, on a certain <laughs> level really what do you care yeah like i mean i mean that sincerely what what do i care <laughs> it's just a bracket who cares i know no this happened as recently as a week ago somebody came up to me and said uh gp you owe me some money and i'm like 
I might like for what, <laughs> you know, I'll Venmo you. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. Like just tell me how much and, and text me your Venmo. <laughs> I, I can't keep track of everything. And this is the same man who claims to be an extortion expert, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. If you just, if you just tell me I owe you money from something, I probably, I just, I'll just believe you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't keep track of things. So this person, she was like a you, GP, you owe me money. And I was like, what do I owe you? What do I owe you money for? And she was like, because last year, I used your bracket and it was awful. And I was like, well, you, oh, well, then don't do that. I never told you my bracket would be good. It's problematic. It's a, it's a tough situation. San Diego State's in the Sweet 16, though, no matter what. I think that's right. the point I was trying to that make. That will be interesting to see because you're going to do it, how you put them in there. And then for four, hey, I want to sort some to data for it. you real quick. To explain this pick and i guarantee you he won't say this on the pot although maybe you will by like tuesday as you would say it by tuesday afternoon uh you're gonna you're gonna get onto this stream yard with me and before we hop on a real pot and you're like i am so damn sick and tired of explaining why i got San Diego State in the sweet 16 <laughs> i can already see it coming no. i can already see it coming um you guys state, answer, can, we, can we talk san diego state if you right. uh, sort the data from the past month come on you just did this. They're like they're like number six in the country or whatever. I thought. Do you need me to sort the data for you right now? I think right, com is in San Diego State number data. Hey, from January twenty sixth to February twenty sixth, second best team in the country according to BartTorvik.com is San Diego State. You know who? You know who's number one? Gonzaga. The Zags. That's right. How about that? We'll get to the Zags before we're out of here. We have a loaded show. Okay. It's just a jam-packed stuff weekend. We thought we were going to start with just those buzzer beaters. We had one more that didn't win the game, but extended it. Nada. What did Hunter Dickinson do on Sunday on CBS? Williams. Up top, Dickinson. Dangerous pass. Dickinson at the horn. That's the man, Andrew Catalan, on the mic. A couple things off that. One, I feel like they gave him about six and a half seconds to put in on the ball. <laughs> I feel like there could have been a five-second call there, whatever. Two, that is so dad-in-the-driveway release from Duck Dickinson there, right? Just the form on it, pure, extends it. Big-time win, GP, for Michigan. Big, big, big one here. And big-time loss for Wisconsin. It is. It is. Um, you know, these are both these are two Big Ten teams, big brands hanging around the bubble. Sort of just occurred to me as I was watching it. Um, these two coaching staffs fought last year. <laughs> it, this just occurred to you. I figured that was a, a lingering subplot to anyone watching the game for more than two hours. Yeah. A year ago, they were just slapping each other. <laughs> so that yeah. was wild. Um, Greg Gard, in fairness to Greg Gard, he did say afterwards, we were trying to foul up three. We just didn't foul hard enough, I guess. Um, so they, you know, leading up to the Hunter Dickinson thing. So uh, Michigan State did not foul up three, lost in overtime. Wisconsin tried to foul up three, but didn't get it done, lost in overtime. It's a big weekend for the foul up three uh, club. It is, although it's not, you know, if it was 100%, everyone d would do it. It's not. I am a fan of foul up three under six. Now, Wisconsin was in a really tricky spot. 
Michigan passing out of the corner, defended it well. Again, I think that was more than five seconds. So it goes, especially on uh, in a road venue. And then you know it's going to be an almost immediate uh, shot. So you don't want to foul and put them on the line. So I, I get it. But they did try and get it before it got to that point. Michigan has now won three in a row, has not won four straight games yet this season. Shouts to Kobe Bufkin. Looks like a pro to me. He had a career-high 28 points in this one. Dickinson had his 11th double-double of this season. Michigan is still alive. Both of those teams feel like they will be... uh, You just got to watch them when we get to the Big Ten tournament because at least one, if not two games, will be, you know, win it, get on the right side, lose, you might be out. So there's there's plenty of... uh, intrigue around both the Badgers, the Edgers, and uh, and the Wolverines, but a good one there, Dickinson, an unlikely an unlikely candidate to hit a shot, particularly how he got that ball in his hands and where he shot it from and how it went in, but he got it done and uh all the March vibes this weekend, all of them. It's still technically February, but March for all intents and purposes is here. Um Hunter Dickinson did indicate after the game that he is planning to come back uh, to Michigan next season. Which I guess is a you know he's such a good college basketball player. I guess it's a reasonable thing to wonder about, but like there's really nowhere for him to go uh, as it pertains to like like he's he could enter the NBA draft. I don't think he's getting picked. So I always assumed he'd come back to Michigan, and he seemed to suggest uh, earlier today that 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 is his intention. So if it was a good weekend for the um, foul up three people, was it also a good weekend for the? don't advance the ball after a timeout people because um, some of these plays quite literally could not have happened the way that they unfolded. If we took a timeout and advanced the ball the way they do in the NBA and in women's college basketball. Yeah. Caitlin Clark got her buzzer beater because they advanced the ball. That's exactly my point. I actually talked about this with Rick Pitino when I was interviewing from the other story. Pitino is a fan of advancing the ball uh, given his NBA background and uh, coaching over in Greece as well. But I said, no, I, I, I and actually <laughs> it was a funny moment. I wish it could have been captured on video. I got to talking about why. And I was like, you don't have this shot. You don't have this shot. And I was like, and you don't have 92. And he like, he laughed because, you know, Kentucky late. And all yeah, that. there's so, nobody who wants to just advance the ball more. I know, than I know. <laughs> you and like, I didn't, you didn't I know didn't you were know walking right into down. that. Oh, I didn't no. realize I was turning down that street until I had already turned down that street. But he he like laughed and, and you know, he, he he's he's. Had fun at his own expense over that as well. But they does it always end in a made shot? No. In fact, I would actually argue the fact that it doesn't have an ultra high success rate. It gives us, it gives us Jenkins, it gives us Leitner. There are also, it gives us Paul Jesperson in the damn tournament for AM and and, and uh, Northern yeah. Iowa. I so I, I, I like Drew. Yes. Yes. It's just there's so many of them and they're, and they're indelible moments. And so. I just prefer the frenzy of that and yeah, make a play happen. It, I'm, I am, a, I'm actually advanced. I'm team advanced the ball. I know I Mike, of course, is going to kill me. I know. No, I, I, know I like Mike, not advancing it. Yeah. I know Mike, the course, he's very disappointed in me right now. I don't feel strong about Mike it. Corsi money, by the way, just so we're clear on that. I'll Venmo. I can Venmo Mike. No problem. Um, I'm not, I don't feel strongly about it. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend 30 minutes debating it on Twitter with Mike, <laughs> but, but I, I, I think whatever you lose from not advancing the ball, which is like the possibility of the Christian Leitner shot, the possibility of um, Lamont Butler, the possibility of Bryce Drew, Tyus Sedney, you name it. Whatever you lose from not advancing the ball, by advancing the ball, you gain more reasonable 
potential game tying and game winning situations than you otherwise would have. Because for every, um, every don't advance the ball ends with a buzzer beater thing we saw this weekend. Um, the truth is more often than not by not advancing the ball with 2.2 seconds left. It's just, it's nothing. It's just a, a throw that goes nowhere or a, a two dribble heave. Whereas if you advance the ball, you can at least get the type of look Caitlin Clark got today, the type of look you see in the NBA every single night. So I would be willing to sacrifice the end to end possibility because they're very rare. I would be willing to sacrifice that for, Hey, if there's 1.2 on the clock, 1.7 on the clock, 2.1 on the clock, you advance the ball. We're going to get a real basketball situation at the buzzer here. I prefer that over the other because we get those. like We get real basketball situations with makeable and reasonable shots by advancing the ball. And so often by not advancing the ball, we don't even get real plays. It's just they, they're things that go nowhere. Agreed. Someone corrected me rightfully in the chat. Uh, the Jespersen shot uh, versus Texas, not Texas A&M. But yeah, I do like, I, I think it is a feature, not a bug of college hoops. And we got more of that. A nice little tune up. It's actually been, uh, it's been a, it's been a minute. Uh, I think Suggs is again, you don't get Jalen Suggs. There you go. Just like yeah. an all time moment. I think Suggs is the last buzzer beater in the tournament. I think if anyone in the live chat wants to fact check me in real time, please do. But I think Suggs was the last time we had a buzzer beater to win a game. Shall we move on? Let's do it. You're not going to believe who was making headlines again this weekend. His name is Brandon Miller. He plays for Alabama. We'll get to that next. First, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average of 29 and 11. God, what did it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing. So, Brandon Miller played for Alabama on Saturday. It was his first home game since uh, police testimony uh, connected him to a murder, an alleged murder, a 100% killing uh, last month. And his pregame ritual during lineup announcements, got a lot of attention. I think at this point, if you're the type of person who listens to a college basketball podcast live, you've probably seen it. Norlander, you wrote about it. I'll let you walk folks through it. Sure, yeah, I did wind up uh, filing a column late on Saturday because, frankly, it just it seemed justified to do so. Uh, I wasn't exactly eager to have to write about this situation after having talked about it multiple times with you on the pod and then on HQ, obviously, as well. But, and I actually had noticed this previously and uh i thought that it was going to end so yeah there is 
it's not an uncommon thing. Brandon Miller gets introduced and then uh, someone at the end of the introduction line is just, you know, patting him down, uh, pantomiming, you know, just checking you for uh, for nefarious paraphernalia or checking you or a weapons check. And this often not, or just a general check your body as they do in MMA. This this is not uncommon. And as I wrote in the column, if it's another player on another team, it's it's just cheeky and innocuous. But it is so tone deaf if you are Brandon Miller. And so it rightfully got attention. It is a bad reflection on the program, on Oates, on the AD, on basically anyone with Alabama basketball. The, yeah, he, there, was, there was a lot of, yeah, he's been doing this all season. That's the point. It makes it worse. He's been doing this since the killing happened, and he's been, he did it on the road to South Carolina. Now, also, this is not something that is normally put on social media it's not on the broadcast so unless you are attending these alabama games for the most part you are not privy to it it was also this very act until sunday morning was also brandon miller's twitter header like the the actual act of his pregame introduction there it just does not reflect well upon alabama's program and so as i wrote this this is why going back to what oats and the university have not done to this point and as I pointed out in the column on January 16th, when Oates had a six minute press conference and he was actually asked whether there are any other players involved, he artfully dodged answering the question truthfully and to the point where it was asked. He just simply said it's an ongoing investigation. The rest of the team is met and we're all available to play uh, Tuesday night in Nashville. They were going to get ready to play at Vanderbilt. So it was a tone deaf thing. Um I'm not going to make a mountain out of a molehill, but this is no small thing either. I mean, imagine if you are the friends and family of Jamia Harris and you see this and you see it continue to happen. Like it is, it is frankly, it is, it's insensitive, if not offensive, it just is. And I did see some folks finally who might've been just straddling the line a little bit being like, what, what do you want me to say now? Like uh, that this even happened and no one picked up or noticed it. Oates himself. Let me read the quote and then GP it's yours to take away. I don't really have too much to add other than this. We'll put the column in the podcast description. If you want to read it, uh, Oates said, before I get started on the game, it was brought to my attention after the game about our pregame introductions. Think that's something that's been going on all year. I don't really know. I don't watch our introductions. I'm drawing up plays during that time. Regardless, it's not appropriate. It's been addressed, and I can assure you it will not happen again the remainder of this year. And quote, the fact that no one even realized this or got to Oates before this, it's just a it is a bad look, and it is because of this. Because Alabama found a way to take a very flammable story and even through one small thing, make it worse is why we are where we are with this moving forward and you know, the attention on this story will not be dying down uh, even as though there's going to be big games and the marches here, this is going to be r- on the, on the rail right alongside every single time Alabama plays and Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley are in the starting lineup to that point, And then we'll get back to this. I remember when Bruce Pearl got fired at Tennessee um, and I'm not suggesting Nate Oates is going to get fired at Alabama. I mean, I guess there's a scenario where some things play out a certain way and they got real issues, but I'm certainly not predicting that. My point is this. If you remember the first time Bruce Pearl had to address the barbecue and lying about it, Tennessee was right there. The athletic director, Mike Hamilton, they're right there beside him. And they're like, Bruce is our coach. He made a mistake, but Bruce is our coach. And if you talk to that staff, Tony Jones, Steve Forbes, Jason Shea, what they will tell you is that from that point forward, Every time they played on television, 
the didn't matter if this player was going for I don't remember who was on the team, but let, Tobias Harris has got 28 points. It didn't every game they were talking about the barbecue and Bruce Pearl and Aaron Craft and lied and lied and lied to the NCAA. And it became such a drum that was just getting banged on every time they played on national TV that by the end of it, they knew they couldn't survive it because it was just like people were screaming. This guy lied to the NCAA. He has to go. That is the way this Alabama story is going to be. Not in the sense that it's going to lead to people getting fired. I'm not predicting that. My point, it's never going away. Like, this is going to get banged on. Like, ESPN had the graphic on Saturday. And it's like, here's a timeline of everything. It's like January 15th. Boom. 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 It's like, here's every, that, that graphic is saved and ready to go again. Next Alabama game. So this is not going to become a smaller story. It's going to become a bigger story. And it obviously got taken to a new level of attention on Saturday because of this pregame ritual. Now, obviously, let's state the facts. Um, It is a fact that he has been doing this, if not the entire season, much of the season. He didn't just break it out on Saturday. Um, It could also be interpreted. I'm just trying to be fair here. Multiple ways. Sure, like a pat down if you're going into a club or if you get pulled aside for random TSA screening, or if you're an MMA fighter walking into the octagon, right? It could be inter- any of it could be tied to any of those things. Um, and I and I do sincerely believe that it was probably at its origin it, just innocent. I do believe this as well. Yeah, it's just innocent. You know, young people being young. I can remember playing baseball in high school and we had these little stupid things that we would do. Right. And I'm not that this is stupid, but whatever it is, it is what it is. Harmless. Just like you said, if, if a Purdue player did it on Saturday, nobody would notice. Nobody would care. Right. But when a player who we found out earlier in the week, does it, we found out earlier in the week that he drove a gun to a scene where it was used to kill a 23-year-old woman, you don't need to be doing anything that even remotely looks like maybe just maybe one of your teammates is patting you down to see if you're carrying a gun. The optics on it are terrible. And just in the spirit of trying to be fair, I can believe that Nate Oates had not even noticed it, if only because coaches are typically not paying attention to player introductions and maybe no uh, Nate isn't the type that's noticing every single thing that's going on in his program. Maybe that's, maybe that's also logical and fair to say and presume that Nate Oates wouldn't be like, yeah, let's keep that going. Yeah. No, I saw saw what you did there. I want, let's keep that going. That did not happen. Right. So I, I'm, I'm somebody to your point. Somebody should have noticed this. Somebody should have noticed this and said, Hey, we, I don't know what you mean by that. I don't know when you started doing it, but like, yo, man, it just came out on Tuesday that you drove a gun to a scene where it was used to kill a mom. Even if your walk-on teammate isn't technically patting you down, it can be interpreted that way. And by the internet, it will be interpreted that way. So let's just stay away from it. Like, imagine if, uh, I don't know, nameless basketball player, because I don't even want to put any sort of face, just nameless college basketball player. And he's a prominent player. And after he, every time he makes a three-pointer, he goes, 
and acts like he's chugging a beer and then smashes the can, right? I, I know that's stupid, but you'll get the point. I think this was what you were doing. This was your pregame introduction back, yes. back in high school I baseball. Fake, okay. I would fake smash a beer. So, like, a guy hits a three, and then he chugs, and then he smashes a can and throws it down, and now he's back on defense. Been doing that for years. On Tuesday, he gets charged with DUI. On Saturday, you can't do that anymore, right? Because the optics are terrible. Yep. I mean, I, he would not be playing theoretically on Saturday, but the you, point is taken. You get the point. Like, yo, man, you, your beer celebration was fine up until you got arrested for DUI on Tuesday. You can't do that anymore. It doesn't look good anymore. It's not funny anymore. Same thing with Brandon Miller. And before somebody says it, yes, I know he didn't get arrested, but he did drive a gun to a scene where it was used to kill a woman. That is forever going to be a fact. You're never going to get around that. Most people, best I can tell, don't believe he should be playing basketball right now. And what happened Saturday, I, I don't, because I, I, I think earlier I, I said made it worse. I don't know that it made it worse. It just made it brighter and just like yeah. like here's the thing i didn't plan on tweeting a word about brandon miller on saturday and i bet a bunch of people weren't either but boy when that video started circulating and then when nate oats was asked about it or even nate talking about it before he was asked about it it just boom it, it became one of the biggest stories of saturday's college uh college basketball schedule and so where do we go from here um you know they got two more regular season games one at home one on the road the road game it's going to be nasty, I would assume, for Brandon Miller. Like, he is I – had a, I had a coach text me on Friday night. I think it was – yeah, Friday night. And let me ask you this, and be honest with me, because I haven't asked you this off the air. Okay. Has anybody in the sport of college basketball reached out to you and defended Alabama or NATOs? Has not happened. Um. I've heard from a couple of NBA scouts who feel like who have been at the past two games and they have expressed an internal conflict over what they're watching from a player by the circumstances that surround what's happening with the program right now. I haven't had anybody reach out to say, Hey GP, like maybe back, back it up a little bit. Here's the thing you don't understand. Here's the thing you might not know. Here's the thing Nate didn't know. Nobody, nobody. So I had a coach on Friday night text me and he was just like hey i just you know read everything you wrote and listened to everything you've said and uh just wanted to you know tell you i appreciate it i'm not saying this for any other reason than i'm, a, I'm about to make a point he said um you know it, it just for keep being honest about this and keeping it keeping it real and i said thanks and i said i said just by the way like what do you think about this and this guy said he has 13 scholarship players and at least three of them were at the scene of a murder and the only one not playing is the one that's in jail, charged with capital murder. What are we talking about? This is so out of bounds as it pertains to any sort of normal standard of how a school would handle a high-profile situation like this. I think people in Alabama are so in a bubble about this that they don't quite grasp how crazy this is to just be playing without interruption, they, you know, whatever. And the thing I would say to Alabama fans is the same thing I would say to any other fan base when you get lost in this moment because you're too close to it. Pretend this wasn't Brandon Miller. Pretend it was Wendell Green. Exact same set of circumstances, but it's Auburn's Wendell Green instead of Alabama's Brandon Miller. If you're an Alabama fan out there tweeting me or Norland or anybody else about this, trying to rationalize this crazy situation, Think about, would you send that tweet if it was Wendell Green instead of 
Brandon Miller? And if the answer is no, because 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 I mean, if the answer is yes, I mean, no, rather you then then you're you're proving my point. You only think this is misunderstood because it involves your school or alma mater or favorite team. The only people misunderstanding this are the people trying to rationalize Brandon Miller's role in this or Alabama's decision-making in this. I'm not here to argue exactly what the punishment should be. I'm simply making this point. Brandon Miller undeniably was driving around Tuscaloosa with a loaded gun in his car. He took it to a scene. It was used to kill a woman. If that doesn't violate some rule, policy, or standard of your program, that's insanity. It should just be a, a rule. If you are ever caught driving around with a loaded weapon after midnight, and then that weapon is used to kill a woman, you can't play basketball next game, and we'll figure out what happens after that. And the idea that Alabama hadn't gone there is it's crazy to everybody outside of Alabama. And in fairness, um, crazy to a lot of people inside Alabama. Joe Goodman, who's a columnist there, has been great on this subject. You know, it, 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 you know speaking from experience, it is not always easy to be the local guy coming down hard on the local university because most of your, it's easy for me and you, Pat 40, Dan Wetzel to come down hard on this situation because our audience is, yeah, it's people in Alabama, but it's people in Alaska. It's people everywhere. But when you are a columnist in Alabama, your audience is Alabama. And to tell those people, your school is way out of line here. That's not always easy, but Joe Goodman, um, has done a really good job with it. And again, the only people who are trying to rationalize this or justify it are people who are uh, blinded by the type of things that too often blinds sports fans. Yeah, we would much preferred, frankly, this not to generate a headline, but it did, and it was a major one at that. There are a lot of other games to get to, so I'll, uh, I'll swerve us into that lane. Before we get to a litany of stuff that I feel deserves mention, I'm thinking you want to at least home in on one more standalone game that went down in Mackey and was, I don't know, somewhat Paris, like somewhat surprising. If I told you I could look into the future, again, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be trailing in the final four and one. But if I told you that on Friday, Trace Jackson Davis was going to go for 10 and eight and have four fouls at Mackey Arena, you'd be like, Purdue's winning that game by at least eight to 10 points. Nah, nah, son. That's not what happened. Indiana swept Purdue. And in the process, I think it actually made Purdue's one seed case shaky for the first time this season. I'm not saying Purdue won't wind up with a one, but when you look at what it has not done in the past three weeks, I mean, four of its five losses have come in February, three of the past four games. The only one is a home win over Ohio State. Indiana won 79-71. What stood out to the game about you? I mean, Jalen Huchifino went for 35 points on the road against a projected number one seed. I, I don't know if you saw this floating around on Twitter, but he became the only Division I freshman in the past 25 years to score 35-plus points on the road against an AP top five opponent. I mean, I'll never forget the day I discovered him. I've already forgotten it. I feel like it was a Monday afternoon. Went to see Team Thad practice. And by this time, sure, Jalen Huchifino was a top 50 national recruit. I still think I discovered him. 
Uh, listen, you ride that wave because right now it's it's a wave that is cresting. Thirty-five and seven, and made like if you watch the game play out multiple times. IU shot fifty-two percent inside the arc. They get, I mean, Cop and Galloway got involved as well, and. To me, it signaled Final Four potential. I said this on the HQ. Indiana, you have to consider it has Final Four potential. I know it hasn't won like five in a row. It's been actually a little bit up and down, win-loss, win-loss recently. But it's 20-9. Final two home games now against Iowa and Michigan. Hoosiers are a four seed. It feels Purdue, meantime, and we did have a few folks actually like mention us on, on, on the tweet machine just to bring this up. And so I will, because it is a valid point. Although I'm still kind of like loving this. Everyone go ahead, fade Purdue. I still might put him. I'm not going GP with AM or San Diego State. I'm not putting Purdue at Final Four at all costs. I'm not doing that to myself. But Purdue last beat a top 30 team at Ken Palm at the end of January. It's been a while. And in terms of a ranked team, it's been even longer. So we do have Purdue still going to win the Big Ten. Northwestern, we'll get to them in a second. But I just, I've, I've seen Indiana play now four or five times in winning efforts where when the game ends, I'm thinking if that team gets matched up against almost anyone in an NCAA tournament setting in place that way, like almost nobody is beating Indiana. So if you're a Hoosiers fan, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again on the pod. Like you have such reason for optimism for this group to get it together and string at least a couple of wins in the tournament because you have two alphas like trace and hood Shafino are both, if they combine forces, look out, but they are both single-handedly capable of lifting your team to wins over legitimate opponents, and that's exactly what we saw in a hostile environment against a Purdue team. Like, Purdue wasn't lethargical. Indiana won the damn game. It kicked Purdue's ass. It won the game definitively. So, big-time stuff from Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers. They they are, they are for real. Yes, they are gettable. Not going to deny that at all. Indiana, we could be talking about them five weeks now, four weeks from now, GP, and they get upset in the first round and just saying like, this is this tournament. This is this season. We have seen this so many times like this. We shouldn't be stunned by this because we've seen how so many of these teams that have been top five, 10, 15, 20 level have been susceptible. Maybe that'll happen, but I'm not going to bank on it. I will tell you this guaranteed. No matter what, I will put Indiana at least in the second round. Oh, wow. You'll put, you mean to tell me you're going to put the preseason, the projected preseason Big Ten champs in the second round of the NCAA tournament? That was, that was like I was cooking. I was on like a personal, like 11 0 run, and I just got the ball on a breakaway. And you think I'm going to slam it instead? I just stopped short and I just, I just, I just cashed in like a four foot jumper. Well, I had, I had this perfect uh, Brandon Miller Wendell Green clip ready for Nada and chopped it up. And then I just got all confused about which way I was trying to say it at the end. I felt this it was like a blown layup. It's like, yo, you, you got to the rim. You just missed the layup. Ah, these live podcasts. God knows that we were recording. We'd go, stop there. Go back. Let me pick up. Um, trivia time. Trivia time. All right, time. here we go. When's the last time Purdue beat a team that is currently ranked in the AP poll? As of Sunday night. Someone told us. I know it. So this doesn't count because I learned it within the past like four hours. It was Ohio State like the first week of January or some absolute nonsense. Is that what it is? Ohio State is not currently ranked. Oh, no. oh, I've think... watched Ohio State lately. <laughs> no, not currently that's ranked. That's not what I'm saying. I thought the question was I thought the last time they beat a team and at the time that they won no, the game, the team currently was currently ranked. ranked team. They're in the AP poll as of Sunday night, February 26th. Say the question again. <laughs> Say it again. Trivia time. Here we go. When is the last time Purdue? Got a win over a team that is currently ranked 
in the AP Top 25 poll as of February 26, 2023? I don't believe Michigan State is ranked because that's the first team that that's comes right. to mind. Yeah, they're not ranked. And if it ain't Michigan State, it's not Ohio. It's, are you sure it's not Ohio State? Um, we're getting there, Illinois. Oh, boy, boy, boy. Uh, all right, so this one I don't know then because I think the last time they beat a ranked team when the team was ranked at the time of the game was Ohio State. This is a different question. I will say, is there anyone they played in? It feels like a setup. Wait a second. Duke's not even ranked. Has it happened? Is this a trick question? No, they've beaten two currently ranked teams all season. Mm. Give me a hint. Both teams this weekend became conference champions. Okay. Currently ranked. They did beat Marquette. Is that the answer? That's not the answer, but they did beat Marquette. That's one of the ranked teams. They currently ranked teams. They've beaten this season. All right. Give it to me. I'm not going to get it. Gonzaga, November 25th. Ah, come on, man. Who hasn't beaten a currently ranked team in the AP poll since November 25th? It's been three months problem they're not good (laughs) we're not saying they're not good we're just saying that's that's something worth pointing out now in fairness to them it is possible maryland moves into the ap poll on monday and then that date gets moved up to january 22nd because they beat maryland on january 22nd but as of this moment it's november 25th gonzaga they need to be saved. Okay. On that note, I think we touched on all this. Man, 55 minutes in and we got more to get to. Did you, I didn't check this morning. Carolina still got a quad one win. Did that change overnight? Carolina owns a quadrant one win over Virginia, but there is a scenario where that, that could change in, in time because right now Virginia is 28th in the net. Oh, this is going to be so good. <laughs> Okay, let's let's map this out. What do we need to happen here? We need Virginia to lose. Oh God, Virginia closes with. Let me guess. I'm going to say because of the way you said, (laughs) I will I will blindly say the way you said that it's Louisville and Florida State in some order. (laughs) It's Louisville. It's Louisville and Clemson both at at JPJ. Oh yeah, I knew Clemson. They're not going to win those games, are they? If they if they if they drop to Louisville, that's going to become a quad three win. Okay. Because losing to quad, losing to Louisville is a quad seventeen loss. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to recover from that. And we yeah. also made a rule already that you can't lose to Louisville and go to the NCAA tournament. So that would that eliminate them. Great. That would eliminate them from the bracket. So Good. big game for Virginia coming up on Tuesday. But if they were to lose it, or how about this? If they were just to not perform well, they could still slip out of the top thirty, and then Carolina back at zero quadrant one wins. It's funny how these things happen, though. Baycott went for 11 and six in that game, had three turnovers and four fouls. If I told you that was the case, you would have been like, they're not winning. But R.J. Davis had 16 and 10. That's 10 rebounds for guard R.J. Davis. Pete Nance had 22. Um, Apparently, Hubert Davis gave him a pack of lemon Oreos and he housed it. I I actually have not read the story yet, but that's a great little uh, detail. Get there. Um, I forget the reporter who got it, but uh, but shouts to you. I, I did see it passed along, and I want to properly credit. In fact, I will before the podcast is over. Lemon Orios, who who'd have thought? I thought it was more about Virginia than Carolina, though. I mean, yes, UNC remains like the buzziest bubble team, but Virginia just going back to the end of the Duke game, and it won. But it has just been it's it won the game, but since that moment, essentially, like it could have easily lost, and it's it's been 
it's been shaky since. But credit to Carolina. It, it got a win. It's still in the mix. A loss there, and, you know, they're done. What else around the weekend piqued your interest? Well, ACC now has zero teams in the top 30 at Ken Palm, so that's a, that's a problem. For I'm that pretty league. sure that's a first, by the way. To, to be in this deep in February and have zero top 30 teams? I mean, honestly, either Duke, Carolina, or Virginia is always top 30. This, this has they're to often be. all top 30. They're, off, they're usually top 10. Right. So, yes, this has never happened. Kansas is sitting alone atop the Big 12 standings after beating West Virginia while Texas lost at Baylor. So the Jayhawks are now just a win away from what would be Bill Self's 17th Big 12 title in 20 years at KU. Check this out. And we've talked about this before, so we don't need to hammer it home, but it's just it's interesting. Mike Krzyzewski coached Duke for 42 years. He is widely considered the GOAT of college basketball coaching. And Let's he won go. 13 ACC regular season titles. 13. Mike Krzyzewski, 13 conference titles in 42 years at Duke. Come Bill on, Self dude. is about to be 17 conference titles in 20 years at Kansas. Less than half the time and four more conference championships than the guy who is considered the GOAT. And it's not like John Calipari doing this in Conference USA or Mark Few doing this in the West Coast Conference. This is the freaking Big 12. And Bill <laughs> Self is about to go 17 of 20 Big 12 titles. What are we even talking about here? What are you? we talking about here? Oh, by the way, I'm ready to update it. I think if I got to turn in the ballot right now, Bill Self's my national coach of the year. Lost six of his top eight scores, including, including two first-round draft picks. And yes. now he's sitting here with uh, five more quadrant one wins than anybody else, a total of 15, projected as a number one seed, really is just one more win or one more Texas loss away from an outright Big 12 title, which would be his 13th in 20 years. Right now, Bill Self's my coach of the year. I agree with you. I'd have Shaka Smart sitting at that table. I'd have Kelvin Sampson, and I would have Mick Cronin. Hello, UCLA first outright Pac-12 regular season title in 10 years, thanks to the win on the road on Sunday on CBS. You mentioned the Zags, 11 straight WCC title, right? That's or right. Stayed up, late, stayed up late to watch that one. Yep. They, it was, it, you know, like they, they got it done. And, uh, they're the two seed in the WCC tournament because they're behind St. Mary's by two spots in the net rankings. There you have it. I got some stuff here, but are there any other results you want to bring up first? Well, we already mentioned Marquette secured a share of the Big East title. Got a win over DePaul now, uh, this week. Be my second coach. What about you? Off top of your head. I think Shaka Smart should be number two behind Self right now heading into March. I agree, with you. I agree with you. It okay. would be my, my ballot would be Bill Self one, Shaka Smart two. Um, Marquette picked ninth, the preseason Big East poll. Now just has to beat Butler or St. John's this week. Probably do both, but just got to do one of those. And Marquette will be outright Big East champions for the first time in school history. By the way, both Butler and St. John's sub-90 net teams. Marquette hasn't lost to a sub-90 net team all year. So all Marquette has to do is avoid something twice this week that it's avoided all year, or really just avoid it once this week. You just can't lose them both. Um, they're going to be outright Big East champions, so that's quite the story. Or, you know, Xavier Providence could lose a game this, this week, and you're outright. True. Marquette's going to be your outright Big East champions, first time in school history. Go ahead and book it. 
Uh, UCLA, first league title since 2013, beat Colorado on America's Most Watched Network on Sunday afternoon. That combined, I think, I think the Arizona loss made it where UCLA already now has the outright mm-hmm. um, Pac-12 title. So Mick Cronin further solidifies himself as the greatest coach in UCLA history. Uh, there's no debate for me whatsoever. That, that, that has been well established. And uh, we thank the listeners, by the way, to continue to spread the gospel of Cronin in Westwood and the greatest ever there. Yeah, uh, like I, I saw somebody on Twitter. <laughs> I saw somebody on Twitter. They were like, is, is Gary Parrish serious when he says Mick Cronin is the greatest coach in UCLA history? Uh, look at me. It's not, it's not funny. Okay. Do I look serious? Do I look serious? Can I say it any more seriously than this? John Wooden had an amazing career. He won championships even, I'm sure. Told. Yeah. But when you start really tearing through the numbers and just applying common sense, it's impossible not to reach the conclusion that Mick Cronin is the greatest coach in UCLA history. Was that serious enough for you? Stop joking around on it, guys. It's not funny. It's not funny. Right. This, is not, this is not jokey time. This is not jokey time. Serious matter. All right. Um, here's what I got. Quick bubble stuff. The good, Carolina, Arizona State, Michigan. We touched on them. Clemson, 96-71 at NC State. Mammoth victory. Do you know who had a game-high 28 points in that game? Your balls are showing. Brevin Galloway. A man from swollen balls to dropping 28 and a got to have a bubble game on the road in Raleigh. Pod legend. <laughs> I forgot Are you kidding me? <laughs> I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm here for you, buddy. That's right. <laughs> My dude scored 28 three weeks after his balls exploded. Game high 28 and and statistically one of the best wins in Clemson history in, in, in ACC play. Just 96, 71. NC State's a tournament team. Clemson revived its tournament dossier with that kind of win. The fluid uh, backup, if I remember correctly. That, but that's a we listen. We don't know that to be the case. It's a potential scenario. Yeah, there, it's one of the options. It is it is one of the options. Uh, Pitt is in first in the ACC. It won ninety nine eighty two, and it made sixteen threes in the game. It's now made 274 triples this season. That is a single-season program record, and we have many, many games to go. More bubble team wins. Mississippi State beat A&M mm-hmm. 69-62. Bulldogs putting themselves in position. USC just won its fourth in a row. Got the mountain sweep over Utah and Colorado. And also, not to be overlooked, Nevada won at Fresno State on Friday night to help the Mountain West cause there. But on the flip side, Boise State did lose at San Jose State. Tim Miles, we see you. Uh, what he, He'll be highlighting this week's court report. That's just an incredible job. San Jose State is never good, and they're actually more, they're more than respectable. They're above 500, and he's doing a great job. Boise State lost uh, to the Spartans over the weekend. Other bubble teams on the wrong side of it. We mentioned Wisconsin. We mentioned New Mexico. Probably done. Okie State let one slip away at home late against Kansas State. Time to make it up. But should have had that W. 
Auburn put itself, in my opinion, in bubble territory. And before I continue with anything more, I just want a quick thought from you on this because Kentucky's a lock now. I I, I don't think there is any chance, and I'm, st- I'm a stickler for this. It has at least three games left. Even if it lost the three games that are remaining, SEC tournament game, home against Vandy, and GP, I don't have it right in front of me. I think Arkansas, at Arkansas, might be the other game. Even if it lost those, I can't figure out a way where it wouldn't get in the tournament. So it destroyed Auburn. Good on you, UK. You've you've found a groove, which is a great sign. Case and Wall is playing well. Reeves has continued to play well, and she was putting together as well. I think Auburn's on the bubble. That was the worst loss by margin of defeat for this program in almost five years. Any quick commentary on Pearl's team? I don't know. It's, we sometimes get these groups where they're in the tournament discussion for a long time, and then sometimes they just slip right off the bubble. Tigers kind of feel vulnerable to that. Auburn has had strong to good computer numbers all season. Hadn't really done much all season. I mean, their two best wins are a neutral court Northwestern win in the 40s, a game in yep. the 40s back in November. I think Kermit Roosevelt Jr. was alive back then when that happened. Mm. And then they, they beat a shorthanded Arkansas in January. And that's it. That's the wins. That's what they've done. I think they've got a domination of Missouri in there. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, that's fair. They did. Uh, they, it's they, it's they a beat, solid win, but they, I, yeah. no, yeah, they beat Missouri's brains in. That is a fact. But but that wasn't a quadrant one win because yeah. Missouri's 49th in the net, and and that was played at Auburn. So Auburn right now two and eight in quadrant one, eight and nine in the first two two quadrants, and they also have a quadrant three loss. I think they're on the right side of the bubble now, and I believe Jerry Palm would agree with me, but they're getting a little too close for comfort. And in your two biggest wins at this point in the season being Northwestern, or let's just say three biggest then, Northwestern, Missouri, and shorthanded Arkansas, ain't a lot there. Agreed. Um, okay, two more items, and uh, then we can move on. Uh, I've got three WTF scores. Oklahoma 61, Iowa State 50 at Iowa State. Boy. See, sometimes sometimes the Big 12 teams, I think they're going to get to the NCAA tournament and either they're going to be better by the fact that they just went through the Big 12 or they just might be done. They just might. And I wonder if Iowa State is that kind of team. Well, look 16. at them last year. That's a good point. They did. It, it was the exact opposite way where they it was this. No, but then they yeah, they struggled and then boom, the, the, you look up so and they're, yeah, it, yeah, it didn't they're deep go, in the bracket. They didn't, they didn't quit. Um, Nova 79, Creighton 67, Villanova. One at Xavier, then beat Creighton. Eric Dixon had 31 points, the most in his college career. Six three-pointers at Wells Fargo Center. Just notable with the Big East tournament right around the corner. Nova's going to start the uh, the tournament play on Wednesday, which has never happened since the Big East were formed. Maybe, just maybe, we'll have something there going. And then, I admit I was with the kids. I didn't see a second of this game. Ohio State 72, Illinois 60. Explain yourself. Although, what explaining needs to be done? You endorsed the team yet again on the last podcast. Tom Fornoyle hates you. He never wants to talk to you again. He's going to put a pox upon your house. Illinois losing to Ohio State, which can't beat anyone. What happened? I miss Fornelli so much. It's just a shame, you know? He revived himself. You have to, you know, don't take anything for granted in this life. You know? Cherish every moment. Because one so day we lost Tom Cornelli. <laughs> and, you know, the next day it could be you. Not you, dead well, leg. But, I mean, it could be any of us, right? That's troubling, man. Could it could be, be any of us. Um, Maryland beat Northwestern. 75-59. Uh, good win by Maryland. Not... not 
too notable, but that, they were favored uh, to win the game. I did. I did put Maryland. Uh, so just on some things you've touched yeah. on Creighton and Iowa state, I both kicked out of the top 25 of one. Um, yeah. I moved Maryland in. I moved who else did I, Duke. I moved Duke in. And Kentucky's right there. Like you mentioned earlier, I think Kentucky's off the bubble. Kentucky's closer to being ranked now than it is. close. It is more likely that Kentucky enters the AP poll on Monday than it is that Kentucky now misses the NCAA tournament. Kentucky right now would be in my top 30. I didn't quite get them where, the, where their name shows up, but they're in my top 30. All right, I have a small school note that I want to give you before that. The best matchup going into the weekend we haven't even touched on. Baylor beat Texas, ended a two-game skid, 81-72. Keontae George left with an ankle injury in the first half. It was actually a good sign for Baylor that um, Dale Bonner and Langston Love came off the bench. They combined for 24. Jalen Bridges had like one of his three best games in a Baylor uniform. So that's a good development. Texas, as you mentioned, drops behind Kansas. Uh, I guess we wait to see the status update on Keontae George. GPI was doing HQ stuff for prep, so I actually meant to look this. I don't know if we even have one at the time of this podcast. Do we? Did you check? Do you know? I, I, all I know is that he suffered an ankle injury early in the game, did not return, and people don't typically just bounce right back from that. Although, like Kendrick Davis left a game on crutches one week and was back playing the next. Marcus Sasser looked like his season was over. And was <laughs> yeah, there's another one. Dude, there. I saw your tweet about Marcus Sasser, and I was like, oh, no. But by the time I saw your tweet, he was back. I like turned it on, and I, I was like, well, there's Marcus Sasser right there. What is that going I on? Was <laughs> in, I was in the HQ offices, and like a, a lot of guys were responding to it, and they're like getting it ready like, to put it on the show if we needed to. I was like, send it to me. I'll tweet it out. This looks bad. So they, it, it took them like four minutes to cut it and send it to me. I send it out, and two minutes later – one of the guys in the room goes, he's back on the floor. I'm like, he's back. <laughs> I'm like, what? I thought this was like, uh, so anyway, we love to see it though. Marcus Sasser, apparently fairly healthy. Hopefully that uh, it wasn't just adrenaline. He's not, he's, he's not swollen to all hell here on Sunday going into, into the week. Okay. Small schools. Then I'm going to shut up and I'm done. Three sc- small school notes. Congrats to Oral Roberts, Paul Mills. You know, the school, you know, the name, you know, Max A. Smith's only team in college hoops to run the l- league and, Run the table in league play. They got it done. 18-0 in Summit League, 24-4 and versus D1 teams. And the only loss in the past like two and a half months was that impromptu scheduled game against New Mexico in January. That's the only loss for Oral Roberts. So that is a, a team that could probably 13 line, but maybe the 12 is not, is not unthinkable. Uh, for the first time since 1996, Bradley has won the Missouri Valley regular season championship. Braves, shout out on the pod here, beat Drake by 12 at first home. School- named after a hip-hop artist people forget that fair enough bradley's on 10 in a row as it gets ready for arch madness the conference championship which as always you can watch on cbs that'll be next weekend and then antoine davis dropped 34 over the weekend he is now 63 points behind pete maravich's all-time scoring record horizon league tourney gets underway in two days realistically detroit needs Two games. It's only got one right now, and it's a sub-500 team. It's not going to play another postseason stuff. Titans are the eight seed in the horizon. The nine seed is Purdue-Fort Wayne. That game is Tuesday night. Both those teams are 9-11 and 11 in league play. Davis went for 32-22 and 22 in his other two games against, what's the nickname? Fort Wayne? The Mastodons. There we go. The Mastodons. Top 10. How did I know that? I didn't even know I knew that until I said it out loud. Uh, surprise yourself. Uh, both both times, Detroit Mercy myself. beat beat the Mastodons. See if they can go for, for three. If they do, they would play Cleveland State on Thursday in the horizon. 
and it's reasonable to conceive that we might have a new all-time leading scorer. We'll talk about that on the Wednesday Pro, just to remind you, give you a heads up, but Detroit's got a win on Tuesday. Um, you know, the scoring record is not the home run record in baseball or anything like that, but it has stood since Maravich. And as a reminder, as, as many people realize, Maravich did it with three years, yeah. three years to his name, and there was no three-point line. He will forever be the all-time leading points-per-game scorer in men's Division One history. All right, before we get out of here, we'll look ahead real quick to the next couple of nights, and I mean real quick. I mean, super cool. Just say the, say the games and you can get the hell out of here. On Monday, we got Baylor at Oklahoma State, West Virginia at Iowa State, North Carolina at Florida State, Nevada at Nevada, Nevada. You got to get that right. Nevada, not right. Nevada. It's Nevada. Nevada at Wyoming on CBS Sports Network. On Tuesday, Clemson at Virginia. We really need – not that we're rooting for anything other than something to laugh at. That's all we're rooting. We just want something to laugh at. It would be hilarious if Virginia fell out of the top 30 in the net in North Carolina and went back to zero quadrant one games. So um, I don't care who wins. I just want Virginia to perform at a level at which forces them to 31st in the net. All right? Help me I, out. That, that would involve a loss, buddy. They could – you don't – there's a scenario win, where they could, they could win. Win by one? Win by one? Maybe. Dude. Maybe. Maybe. It's possible. Fair. Fair. I don't know how the – how all I don't know how it works, but I – you can you can win a game and move down in the rankings. Yes. That's something that happens. Yes. So that's what I'm rooting for. Not because I'm anti for Virginia. I am pro North Carolina going back to zero quadrant one wins because that's funny. NC State at Duke. Iowa at Indiana. Oh boy, they got the internet back in Indiana. Woo! I never seen so many people, fans of a team pick to win the big 10 and get all excited when they're take it easy when they're take third, it easy when they're in third place in the big 10 i've never seen so many oh. excited third place fans don't instigate. Do not, don't <laughs> in fairness in fairness maryland won today which means uh whoever maryland played lost northwestern yes, yes so now indiana is tied for a second in the big 10 standings in the final week of the regular season I always thought if you were projected to finish first, you wouldn't be thrilled about second. But like, whatever. Maybe I'm maybe I'm old school in that way. Anyway, the internet's working in Indiana. I can confirm it. All right. St. Louis at VCU. That's on CBS Sports Network. NC State at Duke. You said that. Duke is hosting NC State on Tuesday night. Villanova at Seton Hall. Texas Tech at Kansas. Arkansas at Tennessee. San Diego State at Boise State on CBS Sports Network. That's my Aztecs. Game of the night. Might be game of the night. Yeah. Michigan State at Pinnacle Bank. Oh, gosh. You know what they say. You never want to blow a 10-point lead with 40 seconds to go before you have to go to Pinnacle Bank because that's how you end up with a two-game losing streak. That's what they do say. It's a saying. I've heard that once. Nebraska's won four straight overall and four straight inside Pinnacle Bank, by the way, if you're not keeping track. I'm, I'm going to need you to keep track because I promise you I will not. <laughs> it feels like uh, this is the last podcast of February, right? I hope so. I think so. I hope so. Like that Kodak Black clip. You ever see that Kodak Black clip? No. Oh. <laughs> 
he's with the breakfast club or something. He's wearing a mask, got his whole face covered. He's talking about this girl he met. And they're like, is she the one? Like, is, is, you know, is this, is this going to be the one makes you settle down? Something like that. He goes, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So if you, if the question is, this is the last podcast of February, I hope so. I just call me Kodak Black. Like Kodak Black. Sometimes I feel like Kodak Black. We ready to go? We're ready. I think we were ready 45 seconds ago. <laughs> we are ready, and uh, March is coming. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again. But listen to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify to Apple, leave a nice review. Five stars, type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. Somebody was in the comments saying John Wooden was one of them. Wouldn't surprise me, actually. Uh, I surprise me. Would not surprise me either. Not that I know. I'm just assuming Mick Cronin's one of us. I think he would know. I don't know. I've never talked to him about it. I will, though. I feel comfortable talking to Mick. Make sure he's one of us. I think he is. Somebody said John Wooden's one of them, which, you know, if so, explains a lot. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that. We're going to talk to you again no later than Wednesday. Till then. Get ready. Oh, oh, you sound fired up. You'll enjoy. You'll enjoy the next episode. I won't. I'll be on three hours sleep. Bye. Okay.